0: Here to break down the significance of what we heard yesterday, we have assembled an all-star team of experts, four gentlemen who have very different sets of expertise, very different sets of, of very different backgrounds and who come from different places on this issue. But all of them have delved into this in a big way. They've all been on this program before. This is the first time we've ever had the privilege of having everybody on together. I am joined by Nick Pope, journalist, UFO expert and former employee of the British Ministry of Defense. Fence. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. Joined by Bill Burns, New York Times best-selling author of many books, including The Day After Roswell, and the publisher of UFO Magazine, the editor of the UFO Encyclopedia. Hello, Bill. Hello, Frank. Good morning. And uh, good morning to Ron James, the director of media relations for MUFON, uh, a filmmaker, an on-camera personality, a writer, an editor, and his latest film was actually cited by Congressman Burkett in yesterday's hearing, Accidental Truth. Hello there, Ron. Hi there. How's it going? It's going great. And uh, obviously, we can't have this kind of a discussion without including at least one veteran. And we have a uh, former U.S. Navy service member and author of the book, Initiated, UAP, Dreams, Depression, Delusion, Shadow People, Psychosis, Sleep Paralysis, and Pandemics, Matthew Roberts. Matthew, it's good to talk to you again.
1: Good to talk to you. Thanks. Uh,
0: Let's delve right into this. The guy in Congress who seems to have made this a passion project for his entire tenure in Congress seems to be uh, Tennessee Republican Tim Burkett. He was questioning David Grush, who, again, is a a decorated veteran, has served in places like in Afghanistan. He's a senior intelligence officer. And he's asking Grush about how long the government has known about this sort of a thing.
2: Has the U.S. government become aware of actual evidence of extraterrestrial, otherwise unexplained forms of intelligence? And if so, when do you think this first occurred?
0: Uh, I like to use the term non-human. I don't like to denote origin. keeps the aperture open, both scientifically, right. uh, uh, certainly uh, like I've discu- discussed publicly uh, previously 1930s. 1930s. Let me begin with uh, Nick Pope, who, as I mentioned, worked for the British Ministry of Defense. Nick, whenever we've discussed this subject, I think you've always maintained a healthy degree of skepticism, which has given you a, a large amount of credibility with many of the purported debunkers in our audience. Give me your overall take on the three witnesses that we heard from and the hearing overall.
3: Well, I was very pleased with what happened. I thought it was an excellent hearing. I thought it was a great mix of witnesses. We had two very uh, credentialed, experienced um, former U.S. Navy pilots talking about their actual sightings, encounters with these uh, mystery objects uh, that, of course, are not just seen by pilots, but tracked on radar and uh, filmed sometimes on forward-looking infrared camera. And then, of course, uh, all eyes were on David Grush, the former intelligence community officer who served on the UAP task force. And, And his Testimony, of course, very different, uh, talking about how uh, he has, as part of his work on the UAP task force, to his satisfaction, verified these rumors that we've all heard, that uh, there are programs that deal with things like crash retrievals, that there are craft that there are bodies, and my goodness, uh, I don't think you often hear phrases like uh, non-human intelligence and biologics in Congress, but but there we are, so a historic day.
0: Uh, That is for sure. Uh, Bill Burns, what was your take on the witnesses we heard from yesterday? I um, I had three takes. The first was that
4: this committee hearing reminded me of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan 40 years ago said, "Wouldn't our petty differences disappear if we were faced with a threat from off this planet?" And that's exactly what this committee hearing was. The petty differences just disappeared. Two, it was stunning to hear, stunning to hear witnesses talk to congressional representatives about non-human entities, or they're calling them, I believe they are human entities, but um, alien entities that are retrieving other alien entities with the cooperation and participation of our government. That was, that in a congressional record is stunning. Then the third is a big surprise. The big surprise is this. Why is it that this committee Seem to have drawn a bright red line from 2015 forward, but all the UFO events dating all the way back to World War II, Roswell, all the Air Force bases, none of that was discussed. And yet, everything that was discussed at this meeting already appeared in books. So there's not one jot of new information. It was all old stuff. That's what struck me.
0: Ron James, your film, Accidental Truth, was not only mentioned by Congressman Burkett, but Congressman Burkett is actually featured in your documentary. Tell me about these witnesses. What possible motive would any of the three of them have to be dishonest?
2: Uh, These guys have no reason to be dishonest. The... um... The the story that's being told by uh, David Grush is the same story that we unpeel in, in Accidental Truth, and Ralph Blumenthal, who's featured in the movie, was the one who broke that story, and of course, Nick Pope is in the film, he did a fantastic job with me, um, and... Uh, A lot of people have pulled me aside because MUFON is in Washington, D.C., very active in what's going on right now. Um, I've I've been pulled aside and told that this film has been circulated among Congress. I have video that I'm about ready to release um, within the next day or two of me sitting in Congressman Tim Burchett's office and briefing him on all of the stuff that Bill Burns was talking about, everything from Roswell all the way forward to the recent hearings and why they were – You know, pretty much a whitewash. And so we know and can prove that these guys know this this information or at least have been briefed on it. And so um, that, you know, David Grush has no reason to lie. He's part of this. What I still believe is a little bit of a loosely organized rollout of information. And um, and so I think that it's still going.
0: Matthew Roberts, uh, you served in the Navy. One of the common threads that we heard from all three witnesses, uh, Ryan Graves, David Fravor, and uh, David Grush, was the issue of a stigma. They're all concerned that they've been viewed differently by some of their peers, and they believe that there's a reluctance to come forward with certain sightings or certain experiences because of the fear of being stigmatized by either the public or within the military. Curious if you experienced that at all and what you thought of the hearing.
1: Um, actually, I did not experience any kind of stigma whatsoever. I mean, I was working at O&I um, when all of this was starting to break. So it was pretty much common knowledge that all of this stuff was real. Um, so when I spoke about it, there was no one that was shocked by anything I had to say. But uh, my, my takeaway from the hearing is just that I am looking forward to much more. Apparently, the Senate is going to be picking this up as well. And uh, I am ready for this all to come out.
0: All right. A lot of other areas that I want to explore with you. Obviously, David Grush was sort of the newest person that testified here. Aside from that News Nation interview and that, uh, that article that he did with Ralph Blumenthal, we hadn't heard very much from him. Uh, here was Nancy Mace uh, t- asking David Grush about uh, having contact with extraterrestrials.
2: Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials?
0: Something I can't discuss in public setting. One of the things that uh, he seemed to say in that News Nation piece, uh, Ron James, was that he didn't have any eyewitness encounters himself. This was all stuff that he had heard secondhand. Uh, A lot of the skeptics in our audience may say, well, look, If he didn't see any aliens himself, if he didn't see any non-human aircraft himself, uh, what makes this any better than a a game of telephone? Uh, What about that objection that some people may raise, Ron?
2: Well, the fact of the matter is, is that um, David Grush has been embedded in the intelligence community. He was also affiliated with one of these front facing uh, research units to roll out uh, the to start supposedly investigating the situation. And he was digging and. The, we know that there, we know that this stuff's true because we present a lot of evidence in the film. It's true that there was crash materials uh, recovered. It's true that there's been debris. It's true that there's been reverse engineering programs, and it's probably true that there has been biology. And so none of this is, is, is news. Um, we lay out a really good case for it in the film, and David is plugged in. And the fact that he wasn't given, like, taken to see a spaceship or whatever – that doesn't really pose a problem for me at the moment. What, because what is a victory in this is the fact that somebody at his level is getting the ability to go out and, and talk to people about this and he has names and he has receipts. And we know that he's provided much more documentation to, uh, to select members of Congress, the people on the intelligence committee, et cetera. And as they unveil and unroll what the actual parameters and legalities are going to be with this whistleblower, uh, Uh, law that is is built into some legislation and how that's actually going to work and what the legalities are going to be and what you can say and where you can say it, we're going to be barraged with people coming forward once these protections are established and everybody knows what the rules are. Right now, we don't have that. And that's why David was very careful today to keep referring back to his News Nation interview, because we know that that interview was basically questions and answers almost verbatim had to be approved by the Pentagon. And so he couldn't just go and and reply stuff off the top of his head. And so that's why instead of re-answering questions, he kept referring back. But um, we're going to hear a lot more from Grush, and we're going to hear a lot more from the people that are investigating who he's talking about, because he has the names.
0: One of the things that we'll try and do throughout the hours, if people have questions, this is the group of people that you want to answer them. Uh, If people have questions, they can call in at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Bill Burns, what about the fact that uh, David Grush didn't say that he saw any of these biological beings himself? Does that uh, take away at all from the significance of what he said yesterday?
4: No, not at all. Um, the, the 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 stories of biological beings i think i think they are us that's that's just my opinion but the stories of biological entities that came out of these craft have been circulating in intelligence circles ever since the 1950s the story was that the first people to see well after the crash at roswell the first people to see a real biological entity that was being held by the United States government. It was at Wright Field in 1948. It was the National Air War College class of 1948. And one of the members of that class was a lieutenant colonel called Marion Magruder, Black Mac Magruder, who basically told his children that they were led into a room where they saw these artifacts from Roswell. He described them. Jesse Marcel said to me that he recognized them. Jesse Marcel was the son who examined them when his father brought them back from the crash site. And <clears throat> this person said that he was led into a room. They all were. And there was this entity. And he said, the stunning thing about this entity was one. It looked just like us. Two. He said it was trying to communicate with him. And he said that he remembered that entity until the day he died in um, 1998. Uh, Nick Pope, in so the, we've known about them.
0: In, in the case of uh, Ryan Graves and David Fravor, one of them was serving in San Diego, one of them was uh, stationed in Virginia. When they saw very real sightings that they couldn't explain, I, I believe Ryan Graves said that the movements that he saw, the one vehicle making, the one aerial phenomenon making, was something that our government has nothing that's capable of doing that, and it's superior to anything that we're likely to develop in the next 10 years. I- I'm curious, what are the alternative explanations to their sightings, the Fravor and Grave sightings of these-, these flying vehicles that uh, they can't explain how they work or how they move or what source of propulsion they have?
3: Well, I guess really the only realistic theory is that this is some sort of secret prototype aircraft, missile or drone that either the U.S. government has developed and, and then these UFO stories are being talked up almost as a cover for that, to throw people off the scent, or an adversary, uh, probably China, possibly Russia, um, has come up with something. But I think that's unlikely for a number of reasons. Um, there are some other things that explain some pilot sightings. You know, in, in, in some instances, you will get sensor errors, false returns on radar. But I always look for cases like the ones that we heard of today, where pilots Physically see objects, but simultaneously they're tracked on radar, sometimes they're on electro optical, sometimes on weapon seeker, sometimes even on satellites. And this is something that the preliminary assessment written in June 2021 by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence highlighted when they talked about these things being seen across multiple sensor platforms. So you've got the corroboration there. Very important.
0: Uh, we're going to continue with uh, your questions for Nick Pope, William Burns, Ron James and Matthew Roberts in a moment. 800 848 We'll play you some other highlights from the hearing. 800 This is The Other Side of Midnight. The morning after the blockbuster I consider it a blockbuster. I'll ask these gentlemen if they agree. UFO hearing in Congress. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
2: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
1: Business
4: suits that's why nobody knew Perfect haircuts looking smooth just like me and you they looked so much like they belonged nobody looked their way The aliens came in business suits business
2: suits business suits the this is the other side of
0: midnight I'm Frank Morano uh, analyzing the incredible UFO hearings that uh, took place in Washington yesterday. Congress. Here to help us do it is Nick Pope, former employee of the British Ministry of Defense, Bill Burns, New York Times best selling author, Ron James, uh, the director of media relations for Mufon and a documentarian whose film Accidental Truth got a shout out by Congressman Burkett today, and Matthew Roberts, a former naval service member and an author in his own right. Gentlemen, one of the things that we kept hearing from both the witnesses and the member of con- Congress, was the issue of transparency. Both Democrat and Republican uh, mentioned that the Pentagon has been stonewalling them. The intelligence community has been stonewalling them. NASA has even been stonewalling them. Congressman Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from the state of Maryland, he was uh, talking with uh, Ryan Graves about the importance of transparency. Are there common characteristics to the UAPs that have been cited by different pilots, and can you describe what the convergence of descriptions is?
3: Certainly. Uh, We were primarily seeing dark gray or black cubes inside of a clear sphere. I'm sorry,
0: dark gray or black cubes?
3: Yes, inside of a clear sphere, where the apex or tips of the cube were touching the inside of that sphere. And that was primarily what was being reported when we were able to gain a visual tally of these objects. that occurred over almost eight years. And as far as I know, it still occurred.
0: Um, So I take it that you're arguing what we need is real transparency in a reporting system so we can get some clarity on what's going on. Out there because there are many pilots in your situation, um, but we should have a, a way of developing a system systematic inventory of all of such encounters is that right
3: yes and i think we need both transparency and the reporting we have the reporting but we need to make sure that information can be promulgated to commercial aviation as well as the rest of the populace
0: matthew roberts what what did you make of what the members of congress were saying that these agencies have not been cooperative in handing over information and what do you think a better reporting system would look like
1: um, well, the reporting system, as I understand it, that's set up right now, is uh, one that is meant to discourage reporting, actually, uh, in that the pilots have to fill out this long, big, long form. Uh, they're, they're then interrogated for eight hours about the encounter. Uh, and then at the end of that, they get some kind of mark in their record. So uh, anything other than that um, <laughs> would probably be a better reporting um mechanism but you know we we've really got to get to uh the bottom of this and understand um that there are elements right we we talk about the intelligence community covering this up it's not the intelligence community writ large there are elements within the intelligence community that are covering this up um and so you, you know that, that that's that's basically where we have to go with this
0: Ron James, one uh, one cynic emailed me w- after these hearings were going on and said, what a bust for believers. None of the witnesses had any proof it was a clown show. All they helped are the military industrial complex get more money to investigate, quote-unquote, investigate this garbage. Now, interestingly enough, I heard from a lot of members of the UFO public that we're also a little disappointed because there wasn't more groundbreaking information. Ron James, did you find this hearing to be at all anticlimactic, given the big buildup that we'd had from Congressman Burkett and others?
2: Well, um, I might mention Tim's last name is actually Burchett. It was, I appreciate so... that. I'm sure he does, too. <laughs> yeah, because I know when I interviewed him, he corrected me about three or four times. So, um, All right. So what we just got today was a high-ranking, plugged-in government official who nobody has been able to discredit, finally admitting that there is a non-human intelligence at work here. Now, I don't see how anybody can possibly be disappointed by this. It's not this big, giant disclosure that everybody wants. It's not Steve Bassett's big D disclosure. We're not there yet. But what we got was a quantum leap in this information, and it's only going to get better. The cynics are going to continue to be cynics. They're going to do it no matter what. If, if somebody would have walked in with an alien in a, in a Petri dish or a, a jar full of alcohol, they would have said it was fake. If a flying saucer appears over the White House, it'll be CG. So, you know, there's a certain amount of people that are never going to be convinced. But we need to understand that what we got today was a, a, a leap in the official record of disclosure unfolding, and that was priceless. It was way better than the other hearings. Those were pretty disappointing. But at least today, somebody with some authority went on the record and said, yes, the crash debris is real, crash retrievals are real, technology reverse engineering programs are real, and non-human intelligence being um, uh, encountered and biological samples being taken is all real. This is the beginning of this fleshing out.
0: Nick Pope uh, to Ron James's point there about this all being put on the record. Even though a lot of this is information that we'd heard before, testifying before Congress under oath is a lot different than giving an interview to 60 minutes or the New York Times or News Nation, isn't it?
3: It uh, Absolutely. It's one thing to talk to the media. It's quite another to stand in front of Congress under oath and uh, put your testimony into the congressional record like this. I I should just say a couple of other things about David Grush that might be quite useful for for people if they're not aware. Firstly, I think he's rather more senior than a lot of people realize. He was a a GS-15, which is uh, the the equivalent of a a, a full-bird colonel. In the military that 's one point. The other point is I want to address this this point from the skeptics that well, all, all his information is is second hand. Well, yes and no. When I worked at the Ministry of Defense in the headquarters building, I worked, for example, with a lot of people who handled nuclear policy. I guarantee very few of those hundreds of people had actually ever seen or touched a nuclear bomb. But, of course, nuclear weapons are a reality. So you can work on an issue at the heart of that issue on the policy side without necessarily having touched the hardware. So that's not the showstopper that I think some of the skeptics and cynics uh, think it is.
0: And uh, Bill Burns, what about these gripes from UFO world that you alluded to this sort of at the beginning at your first statement that this is stuff that we've already heard? Did you find the the hearing anticlimactic at all?
4: Only in so far as what everyone was saying this was a first was not a first. For example, let's talk about biologics. There were um, congressional hearings under Gerald Ford when he was majority leader all the way back in the 1960s after the Hillsdale, Michigan. And the people in Hillsdale, Michigan who testified before Congress talked about alien creatures. That's why, um, uh, 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 that's why um, J. Allen Hynek, who was working for Project Blue Book at the time, called these swamp gas of these entities. Um, back in the 1970s, uh, Professor James McDonald at the University of Arizona um, talked about biological entities that were that people have seen, and specifically the Lani Zamora case in uh, New Mexico. So again. It's wonderful that we're talking about biological entities and entities coming back and picking up their bodies. This was the basis for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, of the. Uh, but um, the the um, the story is that we've heard all this before in UFO circles. This is the first time in this go round we're hearing this again.
0: Uh, Ron James, I feel like we're talking to two different worlds, not only we in this conversation on the radio now, but uh, the people that watch this hearing. There's UFO world that, uh, that believes we're vi- visited regularly by extraterrestrials, and then there's uh, the general population, many of whom remain skeptical or some of whom remain outright hostile to the idea that uh, there might have been extraterrestrial visits to this planet. Did yesterday's hearing do anything to win the general public over to the uh, side of being a believer, for lack of a better term?
2: Well, I think that if you look at the um, surveys that are being taken about public uh, support for the idea that we're not alone in the universe and that maybe we've been visited and that maybe the government knows a lot more than they're telling us, uh, I think that it's a Almost a small majority of people that actually do believe that we are now in a time when we have entire generations raised on ancient aliens. And um, just to speak real quickly to what Bill just said, he's absolutely right that this stuff, these, these, this lore has been presented in official capacities. But It hasn't been presented by somebody with as much political and intelligence community gravitas as fact as it was by David Grush. Other people that have made these testimonies do not have his credibility, and that's why I think it is truly a milestone um, that stands alone. But the the general public is getting it, and what we have to face now is what is going to be the context of this – information being absorbed into the vernacular because that's going to determine what the reaction is going to be. And uh, yeah, I think that ever since 2017, this this whole topic has gained a whole new level of credibility. But as I'm sure Bill can can reaffirm for all of us, it's the same story we heard from General Sanford in the fifties. And, and this whole thing's almost been recycled almost verbatim. And we pointed out in the film. So he's right in a lot of ways about that. And this is a new public getting what they think is new information, but it's really not. It's it's a whitewashed, rinsed-off story that we've been told before.
0: Matthew Roberts, with that in mind, what Ron James and Bill Burns just said there, that uh, we've heard a lot of this before, and we've even seen uh, you know, stories similar to what we've heard yesterday come out before, what would you like to see the next steps be in terms of congressional action or governmental action? Where do we go from here?
1: Well, I think, uh, I think Congress is going to lead that. And one of the things that they talked about today, some of these members is that they're going to have field hearings possibly at these sites where these crash crafts are kept. Um, there's certainly a lot of, uh, footage and photographs that don't need to be, um, classified that could be released. Um, they're going to set up a committee, um, that will go through hours of videos, uh, Uh, Multiple photographs, they alluded to um, satellite imagery, Um, and hopefully this committee will be able to declassify some of that stuff so the public can see it.
0: Uh, Nick Pope, we also heard from Senator Schumer last week, he's got an amendment in the Senate version of the National Defense Authorization Act which would sort of create a, which would mandate that everything that can be declassified ought to be shared with the public. Is that a, is that a big deal?
3: Yes, it's a huge deal. Uh, you know, one of the criticisms that one hears from time to time is that some of the congressional representatives who are speaking out on this are, are mavericks. And that you know, I'm not going to speak to that. But look, when you have the the Senate majority leader um, putting putting his name. To this, you've got the big guns in, in on this, and and there are other big guns too. So, some uh, very very kind of political heavyweights on both sides of the aisle. So this is a big deal, and and absolutely, you're you're right to mention what's going on right now uh, with with the drafting of material for next year's National Defense Authorization Act, and that is 64 pages worth of. Of amendment, and, and it's staggering going through it. Are they really, what they are trying to do, in, in a nutshell, is is paint the government into a corner and give them no way out of this.
0: All right, a lot of people are eager to uh, chat with all three, all four of you and ask a few questions. We have three open lines if people want to jump on board eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Before we go to the phones, though, Bill. Uh, Bill Burns, one of the one of the things that I was hopeful about, and I think even one of the members of Congress mentioned this is just by having this hearing and seeing these people speak out that there's more. There's a little bit of a destigmatizing of this. There's a little bit of a more, a more likelihood that both commercial airline pilots and military pilots will come forward with what they're seeing. Do you believe that's going to happen more after yesterday, Bill?
4: Yes, it will, but it's not going to make that much of a difference because disclosure about these events the i'm sorry the disclosure about the truth behind these events, and we know the truth behind these events, but the disclosure of that truth is not going to come top down. Joe Biden or another president is not going to stand in, in, um, at the podium and and disclose what he calls the truth. It's just not going to happen. Disclosure will come from the bottom up. It'll be a shared consciousness over and over again. Hearings like this being on the front page of a newspaper, because what's happening is that the Overton window, the window of reality in which things are deemed real and not real, that's expanding to include, paranormal events, especially UFOs. 800
0: 848 if you have a question, let me begin with Sharon in New Jersey. Hello, Sharon.
5: Yes, good, good evening, uh, good morning. Uh, I would like to have a question answered by these specialists, um, which, which would be the experimentation of humans who have been ab- abducted uh, onto these uh, alien uh, craft, uh, and uh, the possible hybridization program that uh, con- uh, occurs as a result of experimentation with their, um, with their genes and uh, other uh, parts uh, regarding this. Uh,
0: Matthew Roberts, you want to begin with that one?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that was certainly something that I wrote about in my book, and I experienced myself. Um, I, don't, I don't, however, view it as experimentation so much as uh, a process, um, and that's kind of how I, I frame my experiences. But it's a process that has been ongoing for all of human history. Uh,
0: um, b- no, no, uh, Bill I had- Burns, anything you would uh, want to add there?
4: Sure. Um, if you look at various cases, like uh, Betty and Barney Hill back from 1961, look, from, look for a lot of cases. One of the things that the entities who have taken these people do is pull egg cells, pull sperm cells. Uh, um, uh, Barney, who was an abductee, he was Betty Hill's husband, um, until the day he died talked about the aliens putting a suction cup over his genitals and pulling out all the, um, all, the spirit, all the serum from them. Um, there have been talks about the hybridization of the species. In fact, we investigated a case in, uh, at in Mexico, where there was actual genetic hybridization going on between human beings and animals conducted supposedly by aliens. Actually, it was Big Pharma that was doing it. So, yes, that is true. That has been going
0: on. Uh, thank you, Sharon. We're going to continue with your calls in a moment. If you have questions, give us a call, 800-848-9222, 9222 we got Nick Pope here. We've got Matthew Roberts here. We've got uh, Ron James here and Bill Burns. This is the A-team. This is the best analysis of yesterday's hearing that you were going to hear anywhere. And uh, if you have a question about what you heard in the hearing, these are the gentlemen to ask, 800-848-9222, straight ahead. Ever been like a
4: station, lost in the sky,
3: right. flying above highways,
0: still trapped in the sky. Now, is it true that you saw, in your words, a 40-foot flying tic toc shaped object? That's correct. Or for some people that can't know what a Tic-Tac is, it's a giant flying propane tank. (laughs) Did this object come up on radar or interfere with your radar or or the USS Princeton?
1: The Princeton tracked it. The Nimitz tracked it. The E-2 tracked it. We never saw it on our radars. Our fire control radars never picked it up. The other airplane that took the video did get it on a radar, as soon as it tried to lock it, it jammed the radar, spit the lock, and he he rapidly switched over to the targeting pod, which he can do in the uh, the F-18.
0: From what you saw that day and what you've seen on video, did you see any source of propulsion from the flying object, including on any potential thermal scans from your aircraft? No, there's none. There's no uh, IR plume coming out, uh, and Chad, who took the video, went through all the EO, which is black and white TV, and the IR modes. And there's no visible signs of propulsion. It's just sitting in space at 20,000 feet. In in your career, have you ever seen a propulsion system that creates no thermal exhaust? No. That is uh, Congressman Nick Langworthy, Republican of New York State, questioning... One of the witnesses at yesterday's hearing, Navy Navy Commander David Fravor on that infamous tic-tac object that they witnessed and recorded. Here to help us break down yesterday's hearing, Nick Pope, journalist, UFO expert, and former employee of the British Ministry of Defense. New York Times bestselling author Bill Burns, documentarian Ron James and Naval Service member and author Matthew Roberts. A lot of people eager to uh, chat with you. If you want to jump on board, you can do so. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Lynn in Maryland. Hello, Lynn.
5: Yeah, some months back you had a uh, a similar uh, discussion. I called in at the time and referenced a documentary film called Mirage Men that details a multimillion-dollar psychological warfare operation conducted by the United States Air Force against the American people, to basically create, generate, stimulate, and string along UFO enthusiasts, keep them, keep them busy, and basically cultivate the UFO community. And I advise all of your listeners who are interested in this subject to see that film, that documentary, Mirage Men. All right, so your question, question, Lynn, is is this sort I, of I a ruse? I have a question about Close Encounters of a Third Kind, though, which is a fictional representation of this. At the end of that, they show us the U.S. military generating a pandemic scare, an epidemic scare, to clear the area for a UFO landing. I would like members of your panel to answer yes or no. Would the, Pentagon, would the Pentagon, are they capable of staging a pandemic scare in order to achieve an objective as they do in close encounters of the third kind?
0: Bill, I know you've written a lot about uh, close encounters and viruses. Uh, you want to tackle that one first?
5: Sure. Um
0: the answer to
4: your question is a simple yes, and that's already happened. The United States military has nuclear, biological and chemical NBC. And when there is a UFO crash or a UFO landing, and the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that movie was based on a real landing. The um I was told that by the head of NASA. The um the these NBC units are cleansing units. They come in, they close off an area, nobody's allowed, the area is cleaned up. It may be nuclear, it may be biological, but that's what they use to clean up UFO sites.
0: Uh, gentlemen, I'll ask everybody else on, on that front. One of the things that I did hear a lot today is... Congress is doing this to sort of distract the American public from from something. And, you know, depending on where you fall on the political spectrum, it depends what the something that they're trying to distract us is. This is sort of just something for the public, the shiny object for the public to pay attention to while the real business of government goes unviewed. Anybody want to want to take a stab at uh, at addressing that concern?
3: I'll take that. That's yeah, exactly I, I, I'm skeptical. Um, I, I think back in the 50s and 60s, sure, from time to time when, when pilots saw things like the, the U-2 uh, spy plane or the SR-71, um, the Air Force and the CIA sometimes talked up the idea of flying saucers as a kind of distraction. Um, so it's it's possible that to some extent, elements in the intelligence community sometimes um, use and abuse the UFO phenomenon for various purposes. But Congress, I mean, you've only got to look at the, the anger of some of those representatives when they say roadblocks have been put into their path to see that these Congress is not part of that. Congress is trying to
2: get to the bottom of what's going on.
0: Ron James, is this a distraction? Uh,
2: you know, there's a lot of uh, theories and stories about things like Project Blue Beam, where the whole ET uh, scenario is mixed into some kind of conspiracy theory. But um, there was a time when when I believed that a little bit more than I believe it today. Even today, people like Stephen Greer will say that this painting these things as a threat is a whole ploy to get more money from the government and or for the government to study this stuff and to make weapons. Um, I think that these guys are kind of on their back feet a little bit, and... Although some of that stuff is possible, and maybe there was even a time when there were plans for for things like this, like Warner von Braun said to his secretary. But I think right now what we're seeing is kind of a forced disclosure. Films like Accidental Truth and and the fact that sooner or later the Webb telescope is going to see something or Elon Musk is going to land on Mars and it could be very clear that there was life there. They can't hide from this truth any longer, and they're in a real situation because they have to get out from under the liability for the deception. So we're seeing this very cleverly crafted thing. And I think that that's giving them enough of a challenge. I'm not sure that it's the prelude to a conspiratorial s- series of events. I don't think, I, I think they're having enough struggle just figuring out how they're going to dodge culpability and still let the public know things that are going to be plainly obvious
0: very soon. Uh, Bill, Bill, I heard you um, trying to comment. Go ahead.
4: Yeah. I mean, There is written, and anybody listening to this can go find it, there is an official CIA history of the CIA's relationship with UFOs that's on the Internet. Um, And basically what it says is that, uh, and it's what one CIA agent told me years ago, is that if there were no such thing as UFOs, the CIA would have had to have invented them to cover up some of the technologies that they were trying to develop. Um, Back in the 1950s, the CIA went to Hollywood producers. And in order to cover up the reality of our experience with UFOs, they gave them ideas for television shows like Earth versus the Flying Saucer and the Day the Earth Stood Still. These were all big in the 1950s, and there was a reason for it. They were CIA-inspired. So, yeah, there's a long and very rich history of the government involving itself with the UFO phenomena and um, creating stories about
0: it. Gentlemen, we're going to have to end it there. I'll look forward to having all four of you back on soon. Matthew Roberts, Ron James, Bill Burns, Nick Pope. I I appreciate you uh, staying up late with us and being so generous with your time.